Good morning, church. Pastor Adrian here. Um, I'd like to begin uh, with our passage for today from Revelation chapter 16. And uh, as I said last week, we are going through the plagues in Revelation chapter 15 and 16. Uh, But today we will not look at the entire chapter. We'll only read through the first five plagues here in Revelation chapter 16. And then next week I'll finish up on Revelation chapter 16. Uh, So, reading here, Revelation chapter 16, verses 1 through 11. And it reads, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth. And a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worship his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments." Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Let's pray. God in heaven, I just pray as we look at these uh, plagues, as we look at what this means for us today, and even uh, in the context of the time in which we're living in uh, today, I just ask, Lord, that you would uh, guide me with your spirit at this time. And to each person listening to this message, may Jesus be lifted up. In his name, amen. I had a very sobering conversation uh, earlier this week with a first cousin of mine. It was actually Tuesday morning. And uh, I was uh, uh, on the phone with her for about an hour or so. And it was very sobering because uh, she is at home. Uh, She lives just outside of Fort Worth. Uh, she's been in. She's been there uh, for weeks because of the virus. And uh, it was... It was a difficult uh, conversation because uh, as she was sharing and expressing the anxieties that, that she was having, it actually kind of made me uh, a little bit anxious as well, too. Uh, I found out in that one hour that at least three or four of my close family members have lost their jobs as a result of uh, the bad economy uh, that has swept over the United States because of the virus. 
Not only that, but uh, it was confirmed that at least one of my first cousins had uh, been confirmed to have the virus a few weeks ago, uh, and now he is uh, recovering. Uh, he's feeling much better, uh, and he fared pretty well being a young man just like myself. He's only a few years older than I am. And so um, having been uh, a member of our, our National Guard, he was able to get tested. He lives up in the Northwest. Um, but uh, she was sharing all of these things with me, and, and one of the worst things was that one of the family members who lost a job was her husband. And uh, so, of course, she was uh, quite anxious as she was calling me uh, earlier this week. And so she was sharing these, these things with me, and uh, we were talking together, and uh, as she finished sharing what had, had been making her anxious, and she finished sharing how she had been talking to our, our cousins and family members and encouraging them to pray and encouraging them uh, to, to hold on to God, she herself was, was struggling to do the same. And so... My response to her was that 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 is very natural, you know, uh, when all of these things hit people at once and, and we see, we look around and we experience even in our own households, uh, the trials that people are going through right now. Of course, who would not at least initially be worried about some of these things? But I, I say that she kind of caught me at a bad time, but not really. Uh, looking back now, um, had I not been studying uh, Revelation chapter 16, I don't know if my response would have been the same to her uh, as it was this last Tuesday. But I had already begun studying, I had already begin, begin preparing my message uh, on Monday uh, here in Revelation chap chapter 16 about the plagues. And so I simply said to her, initially at least, I said, uh, listen, it's okay to feel that way, uh, but it's very important to know that this is a very important time for us as Christians. This is a very important time that God, in his mercy, is trying to wake up the world. And I told her that, you know, things are going to happen very soon on this earth. Things that are going to happen that are, are going to be so much worse than what we're experiencing today, isn't it? And I had the, the, the seven last plagues in the back of my mind, and I, I wasn't specifically uh, talking to her about that, but I had it in my mind, and I was telling her, listen, things are going to get so bad at the end of time, and, and it's going to be so difficult. It's going to make this COVID-19, a whole pandemic, an economic crisis, look like a walk in the park. Now, normally this may not have been my response, and normally that may not have been your response. I mean, after all, she's calling her pastor cousin to ask for encouragement and help. And so I went on to tell her that God is preparing us for the things to come in advance. And we can rest assured that if we can make it through these trials that we are experiencing today, and if we allow God to shape and mold our character, if we confess to him the internal struggles that we are feeling as well as the external uh, struggles that we are experiencing, if we can allow God to do that today, then we can be rest assured 
that he will bring us through whatever comes in the future. And so I expounded on this a little bit more to her, and and I reassured her that God was with her, that God was with our family, that God knew what was happening, and that this too, this episode that this world and our nation is going through, it will pass. And with those words, she was was much more reassured. But she went on to tell me, you know, uh, Adrian, as you as you started to tell me how things were going to get worse, and, and you talked a little bit about uh, the book of Revelation um, and how the Bible prophecy tells us that that things are going to be bad, she said, "You know, I, I initially I didn't want to hear it. And normally, when my pastor tells me these things at my church, I I, I either clam up or I close my ears. I, I might even get up and walk away. But she said, "You know, Adrian, I feel like God was speaking to me through you, because I needed to hear that. I needed to know what was going to be happening at the end of the world. I needed to hear uh, so that I could be prepared." And she said, "I needed to hear the assurance." that God would be with us and get us through the very end. And she said, when, when you brought these two things together, what will happen along with the assurance that God gives, then I could hear it and I could receive it. And so as our conversation went on, we, we talked more for a while and, um, and, and, uh, and we prayed together. And um, later on, I, I called some of my cousins to see how they were doing, and rest assured, God was taking care of them. But I share that with you today, uh, because as we look at these plagues in Revelation, and we, uh, we see that um, these things that are coming upon the earth are, are bad, it can cause one to, to be afraid, it can cause one to clam up. It can cause someone to really question, hey, am I going to make it through that time? I hope that that this doesn't happen to me. And we see the the sores that will cause pain, and we see the the waters that will be turned to blood so that the most basic necessity of people, water itself, uh, will be withheld from the wicked. And, And the other plagues that will come, the scorching sun and the darkness, Wow, these, these are terrible things. They look like terrible things as we read them at face value. But it's important to understand as we read these plagues that these plagues are, are nothing new. For those of you who are good Bible students, you know very well that all of these plagues go back, not just uh, in, in recent history, but they go all the way back to the book of Exodus. They go all the way back to God delivering his people out of Egypt. So these very same plagues that fall at the end time, we see them first when God was pouring them out on Egypt as a judgment against the Egyptians and against Pharaoh. And these judgments that fell upon Egypt, they were judgments upon the gods of Egypt. They were judgments upon unrepentant Pharaoh and unrepentant Egyptians who did, yes, they had an opportunity to glorify God, and few of them did. As we read in the book of Exodus, there was the mixed multitude that actually woke up and they, and they came out of, of Egypt. There were Egyptians who came out of Egypt uh, with God's people. But God 
he, he rained down these judgments upon the Egyptians who had many, many opportunities to turn to the Lord, but they did not. And so in order to better understand these plagues, we have to understand uh, what is happening there in Exodus. And what is happening in Exodus is, first of all, is judgment upon the Egyptians. But more importantly, what is happening back in Exodus when these plagues are falling is the deliverance of God's people from slavery. More importantly, when they come out of Egypt, God is preparing them for the promised land. And he uses Moses and Aaron to bring them out of Egypt into the promised land. So this is the background for the plagues in Revelation chapter 16. And when we look at it more from the context of deliverance, we can see more of a balance. It's not just a frightful thing uh, when, when we read it, but it's also a hopeful thing as well. Now, I want to look at something else here that gives us hope. It's in the beginning of chapter 16. It's the very first uh, verse here in chapter 16. Again, before the, angel, before the angels pour out their plagues, John sees something very important here in verse 1. He says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go out Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Now, where did John hear the voice coming from? From what place does this voice come? Well, it says here very clearly that the voice came from the temple to the seven angels. Now, as I said last week, that before John sees the plagues, he sees activity in the temple of heaven. He sees uh, God's people standing before the throne of God and they're worshiping him and they're praising him because they know what the end of the story is all about. And all of this happens inside the temple. And once again, immediately before these plagues fall out, God hears, uh, John hears something coming out of the temple. And it is important to understand that the angels who minister the plagues come out of the temple in heaven. And everything that the angels do is connected with Jesus' ministry in the heavenly temple. The angels help God's people to experience the victory that comes from the temple. And that originates on the cross of Calvary because after all, what Jesus is doing there in the temple is presenting his blood before the Father in the heavenly temple. Now, uh, Robert Gundry, in his uh, book on uh, systematic theology, volume four, he, ha- he said something very interesting here concerning verse one and concerning the whole of the plagues of Egypt. He says here, God sent ten plagues on Egypt so that the pagan Egyptians and Pharaoh would know who is the only God. Evidently, the plagues were to remind wayward Israel that God is God. For the first three fell on them too, but the last seven did not affect Israel. They experienced the mercy of God protected in Goshen. 
If Israel put the Passover lamb's blood on the lintel and the doorpost, they were spared the tenth plague. They were promised when complying with the annual atonement census that no plague will come on them. In other words, obedience to God spared them from plagues. In the future, those who come out of Babylon, the great Babylon the Great will not receive her plagues. So you see, it is the blood of the Lamb that was painted on the doorpost that actually saved God's people from this last plague that fell upon the Egyptians. And indeed, it is the blood of the Lamb that is going to save us from the last plagues that are going to fall on this earth. And God promises that those who are covered in the blood of the Lamb will not experience these plagues. Listen to what Ellen White here says in The Great Controversy on page 629, the chapter entitled The Time of Trouble. She says, These plagues are not universal, or the inhabitants of the earth would be wholly cut off. Yet they will be the most awful scourges that have ever been known to mortals. All the judgments upon men prior to the close of probation have been mingled with mercy. The pleading blood of Christ has shielded the sinner from receiving the full measure of his guilt. But in the final judgment, wrath is poured out unmixed with mercy. She goes on to say, The people of God will not be free from suffering, but will, pers- but will be persecuted and distressed. While they endure privation and suffer for want of food, they will not be left to perish. That God who cared for Elijah will not pass by one of his self-sacrificing children. He who numbers the hairs of his head will care for them, and in time of famine they shall be satisfied. While the wicked are dying from hunger and pestilence, angels will shield the righteous and supply all of their wants. Church, I hope and pray that you are gathering up these promises today, that you are gathering up the promises of God so that they will help you to endure at the very end of time, because it is going to be bad. And something else that is important for us to understand the sever- in understanding the severity of these plagues that will be falling upon the earth at the end of time is that it shows us very, something very important about the character of God. God is not a giant, fluffy teddy bear that loves us too much, that loves people too much to tell them no, that loves them too much to punish sin, that loves people too much to deal completely with the sin problem. Something that we learn from the last plagues here in Revelation chapter 16, that God is love. We saw that from the fact that Everything God does comes from the sanctuary where Jesus is applying his blood. God is love, and love requires God to deal with the sin problem, with justice and mercy. 
But those who reject the mercy of God will suffer only justice. Those who refuse to allow Jesus to be the Lord and master of their whole life will bring upon themselves the plagues of God and the wrath of God. What a terrible thought. What what a terrible thought that, that so many are rejecting the love of God, rejecting the lordship of God. And yes, at the very end of time, the issue will be rejecting the commandments of God, his plain, clear commandments, which are a reflection of his character. And how many times God has pleaded with people to accept all of these, his love, his character, and his mercy. It is the wicked who bring upon themselves these plagues. You see, as the plagues are poured out, this very first plague, it says that there was a loathsome and foul sore. But who did this sore fall upon? It fell upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped the beast. That's what verse 2 says. And so we, we, we were already told about the beast and, and his image and those who worship him back in chapters 13 and later on in chapter 14. You see, this reminds us, especially as Seventh-day Adventists, that as the time of the end approaches... We have a very important duty to proclaim the three angels' message. Now, we often, when we think about the three angels' message, we think of the gospel, we think of uh, the Sabbath truth and, and the state of the dead and those things. But the whole of the three angels' message is a warning against Babylon. It's a warning against anyone who would take the mark of the beast. And anybody who takes the mark of the beast, they will suffer the plagues that will fall at the end of time. So as God's people, God's last day people, we have a solemn obligation, both in word and in life, to proclaim the three angels' message so that people are warned, so that people have an opportunity to reflect on their own lives, to reflect reflect on the truths of the Bible, and yes, to come to the foot of the cross and reflect on Christ's sacrifice for them, And they themselves can weigh everything in the balance, and they can make their own decisions. But an uneducated decision is never a good one. That is why it is our duty to share the precious truths that we know with them. So God gives us this solemn obligation. God gives us this, this solemn duty to proclaim this three angels' message. And for God's last day people, I know that uh, as we read about the plagues, this can be something that brings both fear and anxiety and also rejoicing and hope because we know that the end is near. We know that our redemption draws nigh. And indeed, there's this kind of tension as we read and we study and we reflect on the last plagues, between the reality of how bad they will be and the reality of the deliverance that God is going to provide for us. 
And in closing, I'd like to read a story from uh, a Christian psychologist. His name is Dr. John Townsend. Uh, he's a best-selling author. He's uh, often featured on a, uh, a Christian radio program uh, called New Life. And uh, he wrote a book called um, Where is God? The book is called Where is God? And uh, in this book, he um, tells about an experience he had uh, some years ago as he took this uh, very unique trip uh, to Antarctica of all places. He uh, went with about uh, 70 other people on a boat, and he went to Antarctica to go on a skiing trip, of all things. Um, and so, to make a very long story short, he, he talks about how, uh, how he got there, and when he got there, he, he, when they finally uh, got off the boat, they got on a little dinghy, and then they made land, and uh, he's telling about this very... Uh, interesting experience he said he he had he said once he finally got there he he and his two teams once they finally got to uh the spot that they were going to there in antarctica they they skied there um he says within an hour or so we were at the crest looking from the top in all directions i have never in my life seen anything as strange and beautiful as that place Mile after mile of intense, white, dazzling mountains and valleys surrounded by a deep blue ocean and a lighter colored sky, a blue so bright it was almost painful to look at. The wild beauty and scale of that place actually created a spiritual experience for me that I had not anticipated. It is difficult to describe, but I simply experienced a deep sense of closeness to God. I still feel it as I write these words. It was as if somehow I was face to face simultaneously with several aspects of God's nature. His vastness, his power, his beauty, and his love, all moving toward me in waves. I felt very small, but not at all alone. In a way I had not expected, I found God in worship. It was quite moving, an almost surreal experience. And so he goes on to talk about this beautiful experience that he had not expected as he was there in that vast white desert of, of Antarctica. But then he goes on to say very quickly as he and his team were on the crest of this, this hill or this mountain that the weather quickly changed as it can do in these kind of environments. And what actually happened, the weather got so bad that they had a difficult time seeing and they had a hard time getting back uh, to shore. They had a hard time getting back to the beach where uh, they were going to get back onto the boat. And so during this time, the weather got so bad that their guides had them all connect each other with a rope and their guides were in front of them putting stakes into the ground and tying them down and and they had to struggle to survive. It was, it was a, such a frightening experience and the storm was so bad and even the leaders were so worried that they thought that they were going to die. And so they weren't sure if they were actually going to live. And so Dr. Townsend, he, he talks about how he started taking inventory of his life 
And he started uh, wishing that he had told his wife that he loved her more before they left. And he was wondering if he had everything settled before he left home and, and if he should actually be there. And then as they continued plowing through the, the storm and, and the guides continued to, to lead them, they eventually got to their destination and the storm passed. He goes on to say, At any rate, it was during these hours that I experienced God in a different way, not the worshipful worshipful experience I had earlier. I was in a bad state. I needed to know he was there when there was absolutely nothing I could do to change the situation around me. And some of you today might feel that way. There's nothing that you can do to change the situation around you. And you're, and you're just waiting for God to show up, to, to speak, to know that he is there. And I want to tell you today that he is. God is there. I needed to know what he was doing for me right then. I didn't know what was going on around me. And I needed to know that I was going to be okay. It was the, where are you? I need help prayer. And though it it is hard to describe, he answered. While I was thinking about my life and what was going to happen to me, in a few minutes, I began to feel peace inside. I calmed down. My fear began to resolve. I experienced a sense that things would be okay. It wasn't that I was getting some sort of assurance that I I would survive that day. Actually, I had no sense one way or the other of whether I would survive or not. It was simply that he was with me and I was going to be all right. Though very different than my experience a few hours earlier, this encounter with God was no less profound. I end with that story today because as I read Revelation chapter 16, I see the same thing. This same experience of the pouring out of the plagues and the time of trouble that will come upon God's people has two different effects. For those who have rejected God, it will be a time of great fear and uncertainty. And it will be a time where those who, who blaspheme God, they will, they will simply be lost. It will be this terrible experience. But the same experience where God's judgments are poured out is is an experience where God's people are deepening their faith. They are deepening and they're settling in their minds who God is. They're settling in their minds the love of God for them. They're settling in their minds that they can trust God so much that they would rather obey him to the death than disobey him so that they could live temporarily. It's the same experience that has two different effects. What an incredible thing. What an amazing thing. I'd like to read something here uh, from Ellen White in closing about how these trials deepen our faith. The people of God must drink of the cup and be baptized with the baptism. The very delay so painful to them is the best answer to their petitions. 
as they endeavor to wait trustingly for the Lord to work, they are led to exercise faith, hope, and patience, which have been too little exercised during their religious experience. She goes on to say, the end will come more quickly than men expected. Church, we are experiencing something today in this world and in our lives that tells us that the end is coming quickly. Are you ready? I hope that you are. I pray that you are. And I pray that this, this time that we're going through right now is something that builds your faith and not tears it down because the end is coming very soon. And I hope and pray again simply that you're taking the promises of God and that you're gathering them up and you're, you're storing them for that end time, knowing that God will be with us to the very end. May God bless you and happy Sabbath.